So we haven't done this for a little while, but it is a habit of ours to stand for the reading of Scripture. And so would you stand uh, today if you're able to? And John, we're going to read in John chapter 8 is where I'm going to kind of use as a launching pad, and we're going to definitely focus in on verse 12. But uh, we want to read from 12 to 20 here. And so um, I'll just read it and you just listen. And again, we're, we're standing not of, out of some kind of formula or some magical thing that happens, but we're, by standing, we're just simply saying, Lord, this is your word, and we want to uh, honor it. And so it says here in John chapter 8, verse 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. And they said to him, Therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. So what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? I think this is the question that comes to my mind, at least, when I read that he says, I am the light of the world. Well, what does that mean? Uh, What are the implications of it? And so we're going to look at three of those uh, this morning. I'm sure there's probably more, but three Uh, This morning, we'll look at um, this statement, you know, what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, the first thing here, the Jesus statement that he is the light of the world means that Jesus is declaring he is God. He's declaring that he is God. Now, uh, as you take a look at that verse 12, which a lot of the things I'm going to say here today has to do, has to do, have to do with this uh, John 8, 12 verse where he says, um, I am the light of the world. And think about that phrase, I am, right? I am. And he, later in John 8, so in the same chapter, he says in John eight fifty six to 59, and I'll just read it for you here. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? They're like, you know, I'm doing the math. It's not working, you know, the calendar math. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went into the temple. Well, why would they want to stone him? Because Jesus is saying he's the I am. Well, God declared himself to be the I am. As you remember, uh, back in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, uh, as Moses um, 
is meeting with the Lord there at the burning bush, and God is commissioning him to go and, and be the rescuer of God's people from years and years of captivity, right? And so and he's, Moses is just, you know, beside himself saying, I, I know you got the wrong guy. I didn't submit my resume on Indeed for this. This is not something I signed up for. I'm not a good talker. Uh, you know, I, you know I just, no, this is, not, this is not it. And so finally God says, no, you're the man. And then Moses going through all the questions that he would think of that he might be asked by Pharaoh when he kind of goes to say, let my people go. One of them is, well, who shall I say has sent me? Who shall I say has sent me? And that leads us here to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am, he said. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And so this is God, you know, saying, he's saying, I, if you want to use this, I am. And basically by saying that, he's saying he's the self-existent God. He's always been, he always will be. Um, it's a statement of being. And, uh, and so this is, and if you will, the name that he's saying of who has sent him. And so Jesus, by saying that before Abraham was, I am, he is definitely saying he's God. He's God. And, and so we need to see this connection here. Uh, in the Gospel of John, it is an interesting study. If you want some time to go through, there are seven I am statements that Jesus makes that, that uh, unpack different aspects of his role. All of them relate to his, his, his role in saving us from our sin, but from different angles. You know, I am the bread of life, right? Um, living water, and just all kinds of things that he just declares, I am. And so, and so here we are at this one today where he's saying, I am the light of the world. And so uh, it's also interesting to note, too, the larger context of what's happened here before all this in John chapter 8, because they had the, the Feast of Tabernacles was going on. And uh, one of the things that happened during the Feast of Tabernacles is the lighting of this large candelabra, right, that was lit. And so that light at night was definitely reminding God's people of how God guided them at night, right, as one of the many things, but it reminded them that God guided them by a pillar of fire, right? He was that guiding light. And so for Jesus to make this statement at this time frame, I'm sure these people were making these connections, you know. Well, God is light. That's how he expresses himself in the Old Testament in, many, in one way, is light. In fact, um, the same uh, writer of John's Gospel uh, also wrote some letters uh, in, uh, right there before the book of Revelation. And he says there, First uh, John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So we definitely see that God identifies Himself as light. He is light, and that Jesus is definitely saying He is the light, right? And so, and, and so we see this is a major declaration. That's why they were, you know, in at the end there of chapter eight 
where I was reading to you where, where um, they're starting to pick up stones, right? They're, they want to stone him because he's declaring to be God. And so it does boggle our mind that God could come down into human flesh, right, uh, in the person of Jesus, but that's what happened. And so uh, this is an amazing thing, an amazing thing. So, so the, one of the first things that we see that Jesus' statement by saying that he is the light of the world, he's definitely saying uh, one thing here, and that is he is God. He is God come in the flesh. Now, the second thing that we uh, can learn from Jesus saying that he is the light of the world is that he is the one and only Savior. He is the one and only Savior. Again, as you look at uh, John 8, uh, verse 12, um, here where it says, I am the light. I am the light. Okay? And so, um, as we take a look uh, in Isaiah, I told you we would get there eventually, Isaiah chapter 9, in verses 1 and 2, and then we'll jump to 6 here, but it says, but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, Uh, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has the light shone. And so here we have uh, the prophet Isaiah making mention of this, this contrast between light and darkness. The people who walked in darkness, right? And it says that uh, they have seen a great light. Now, move down to verse 6 in Isaiah 9, which we have been uh, looking at, and you can see that this light that is shown is the Messiah, right? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the governance should be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, right? And so just a few verses away there, we're seeing that this, this light uh, that has come is the Messiah, okay? And so he is the Savior, the one who's come to save us from our sins. Now, uh, let's take a look here in Psalm 27, verse 1, where it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Now, you know, there's a, a parallelism that's, you know, found in a lot of Hebrew, um, and especially here in the Psalms when you look at it. And so you think about that light and salvation as being synonymous. And so when Jesus is saying He is the light of the world, He is the Savior. He's the Savior. And then it goes on to say that the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What a great promise, Right? that the Lord is my light and my salvation. He's, he's my Savior. I have, you know, if I'm right with Him, I don't have to worry about anything. What, you know, what can man do to me? Well, the worst he can do is kill my body, right? And then as a believer, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Now, that fact doesn't excite me, you know, that if, if I were to be killed by someone, but the thing is, is that he's saying, no, the, but the Lord is my Savior. Uh, and and uh, He is the one 
who is, who is uh, guarding what I've entrusted to him, as Paul says, until that day when he returns, and that is my salvation. So when he says he is light, we see that it means that he is salvation. Now, um, remember I said it, he's the one and only, right? The one and only. He's not one of many saviors. He is the one true savior. Sticking with uh, John's letters there in, um, excuse me, at the beginning of the Gospel of John, right? The, right here in the, what's called the prologue in verse 4. So John chapter 1, verse 4, we'll read to 9. It says, in him, so this is speaking of um, the Word, right? And you get to see that as you read through John chapter 1, that the Word actually is um, Jesus, right? Before he stepped down into skin, if you will, okay? And so it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And by the way, that's a good, I think that's a good translation of that, overcome it. Some translations say, cannot comprehend it. And I think that misses it. It has to do with victory, okay? And so it, it, the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. So this is John the Baptist, right? Uh, it says that, remember how it's saying here, uh, this John uh, is not the light, right? But he gives witness to the light so that other, others would believe. Then verse 8, uh, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And that's speaking of the incarnation, right? Jesus why we celebrate Christmas to begin with is to celebrate his birth into this world, right? And so, but notice how it says the true light, the true light. He's the one and only Savior. And we, we learn through many, many scriptures that Christ is the only way to be saved. It's through him, right? There is salvation, it says, in no one else um, but through Christ, and so, um, and Jesus made these claims, right? So we're not making this up. You read um, these, if you will, kind of the biographies of Jesus in the Gospels. He made these declarations that you had to come through him if you're going to get to God, right? And if you want to be made right with God. So we have um, John, if you will, making these connections um, uh, with the prophet Isaiah, that uh, he is the light. He is the light shining in the darkness. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time, and you may be thinking, well, that was a fast message. We're already on point number three. Well, this is strategic, okay? Got to spend most of our time. Uh, Mike, you don't need to order pizza. It's okay. We're good. We're not going to be that long. No, I'm teasing. So, but, you know, the whole... Um, thing here is I want to spend a lot of time here because when you think about light, what happens in the room? When you, when, you, when you walk into a dark room and you turn on a light, you can see clearly, right? And, and you, it exposes everything, right? Uh, I mean, you might think that you're, you know, you're not going to walk into the dog, which I often do at night on the side of my bed, but 
uh, or I forgot to move this, and now I stepped on it, or if you're a parent, oh, there was a Lego there. Yeah, yeah, that's, those are rough. Yeah, um, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it's, but, but when you have the light, uh, it, you know, you can see clearly, you know where to go, it guides you, um, and, uh, and also, um, uh, so it seems like the older I get, the more doctors I have, okay? And I, so I got rid of kids and I got doctors, <laughs> all right? One of them is a dermatologist because I had some skin cancer here like stage zero two years ago, right? So it was no big deal. But once you're on the radar, man, you're always on the radar, right? Well, guess what? So I had my annual exam there, and so she is just like looking me over like a fine-tooth comb, and that thing has got a bright light on it, and a mic, and it's like a big magnifier, right? How many people have experienced that, right? Yeah, and so, and, and it's always my experience that there's always some intern there, and they're looking all over your body. And I'm like, you know, this is just doesn't seem right to me. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, um, it, you, you, they're, you're seeing... Um, they're looking for any cancerous moles or whatever, right? They're looking for problems, right? Well, and light does expose problems, okay? Um, we should be thankful for that because, you know, I, my, my family has a history of skin cancer, and so I'm glad they caught that early uh, and so on. Um, but there was a lot of pain involved, you know? I mean... Um, all right, so you're going to enter into my world for a second. They, and this was fascinating to me. When, when they dealt with this skin cancer that was on the side of my head, they took this thing that spins around, and it just cuts right into your skin. It makes a perfect circle. It's like a compass. Thought, you know, as a math teacher, I thought, how cool is that? It's like a compass on my head with a rotating blade, you know? And, um, and so, of course, they're numbing everything, but... Um, the thing is, is, you know, you have to be, I could have left it go and say, nope, not doing anything about it. Well, that, not, that would not have been wise, right? But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through all of that and multiple visits back so that what was wrong could be dealt with, right? And so I, I don't want us to admit that, miss this aspect of light also for the believer, and we'll get into that here in a second. But uh, so here we have Jesus Right, he exposes the darkness, and that's the third thing we're going to get at. He exposes the darkness. And so, um, oh yeah, so John chapter 3, verse 19, um, here's what it says. It says, and this is the judgment, okay, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Right? So, um, you need to think about this. You know, where, when do most crimes occur? Probably at night, right? And uh, I, I remember... Somebody at one point in my life said, you know, nothing good happens after midnight. You know, well, I suppose that's a little extreme. There probably are some good things that do happen after midnight, but I got what they meant. In the darkness, you know, after dark, a lot of times that's when a lot of wickedness occurs, right? 
And so, um, and, and so we see this kind of like contrast, you know, about the wicked don't like the light, right? Um, and so, now, back to verse 12, John, uh, excuse me, ver- we'll finish out with verse 20. But whoever does not, whoever does what is true comes to the light. See that? So you got some people that are come to the light. You got some people that flee from the light. And doesn't that make sense to us that some people they just they're just attracted to Jesus, and some people are repelled? Same Jesus, okay? Um, it says so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now back to John eight twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Now listen here, listen to this part. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have, but will have the light of life. Will have the light of life. So he's saying, whoever follows me. So if you're following Jesus, right, following Jesus is someone who has, you know, put their faith in him, right? As Nick said, they've embraced what Jesus did on the cross there, acknowledge their need for a Savior, that Jesus is the one and only, and they put their faith in Him. And so they're, they're, they're wanting to then follow Him, right? Whoever follows me, it says. And so I wanted to say, you know, think about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize, you know, we are to follow Jesus. He's not following us. We're to follow you. He's not following us. In other words, I don't just sprinkle a little Jesus on my life to make me feel good. Or that, I think, because I think he's going to be like a good luck charm. He's going to help me out. You know, sure, I'll throw Jesus in there with this and that and the other. No, that's, that's trying to have Jesus follow you. Kind of you, you dictating terms on the relationship. Um, well, you know, Jesus is the Lord, and you and I are not right? We're kind of getting things out of order if we are doing that. And so, um, he who follows, if we follow Jesus, we believe what he teaches, right? We, we embrace his teaching. And so, we should be all about learning about what Jesus taught. In fact, um, you know, our, our mission here at Darby Creek is to make disciples, right, and Jesus said, in the making of disciples, we need to teach people all that Jesus taught us, all that he taught his disciples. So it's very important that we all, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, that any follower of Jesus uh, be about learning what Jesus said and then trying to, by his grace, follow it. So, so we, we believe what he teaches. We serve where he directs us. Right? He's calling the shots, so wherever he's got me, you know, wherever he's got me, you know, you, you know they say the phrase, you know, bloom where you're planted. Wherever God has you in your life right now, whether it's, the, you know, what age you are or your geographical location or your job and, or the people that live around you, the people who are there at your job, that is by God's design. And we need to embrace uh, that. Um, and I would encourage um, married couples, too, uh, to think about this. You know, your spouse has been given to you by God, and you do need to embrace that, okay? And if you're mentally thinking you could have done better, 
Stop that. Okay? Okay? And I'm telling you, though, that the Satan loves to play head games like that. Right? If you're, if you're in a bad place or a tough place in your marriage... Uh, you know, and you you can start. You know, the, the enemy can start just playing head games with you. No, there are no accidents. That person you're married to, there, God wants you to receive them fully, right? And He wants you to say, "This is this is God's plan." Okay, this is God's plan. Let's learn how to live that out, right? And so we, we believe what he teaches. He, we serve where he directs. We hate what he hates. You know what Jesus hates? You know, learn that. It, we don't like to use that word, but, you know, there are some things that Jesus definitely hates. We obey what he commands. And then uh, 1 John 2, 6, um, I'll look this up real quick. I don't have it handy. 1 John 2, 6. says, um, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, I claim that I have a relationship with God through Jesus. Is my life looking? Am I walking the way Jesus walked? Is it, are the characteristics of what I'm doing and how I'm living and my character, are they starting to, to come into conformity with Jesus? It's not going to be perfectly the side of heaven, but that's something that we should be pursuing. We should be hard after as believers of Jesus saying, I want to learn what Jesus says. I want to try to apply it to my life and my family, in my workplace, with my bank account, whatever it might be. Every area of life. Every area of life. But Jesus says, whoever follows me. And then he says... He says, um, will not walk in darkness. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And that indicates that there would be a departure from our former lifestyle. The things of our life that are characterized by the world that are ungodly should start falling off of us, if, I, if you will. And it's a process for sure, okay? We know it's a process. Um, what what the Bible calls sanctification, becoming more Christ-like or more holy, if you will, in our behavior, right? So, but, but, it, but what we need to see is that, you know, that, that's no longer who we are. You know, so when, when, my, um, when my classmates from good old Miami East High School found out I was no longer drinking and all this stuff, which I don't have a problem with drinking, it's the getting drunk, and that's what I was doing, Okay, um, and, and that I, I, you know, there were certain things I no longer participated in. They came to me, and I had one person in particular. I was out at a softball game, as clear as the day uh, in my mind here. I was at a softball game watching when I was home, and uh, they said, "You know, we've heard you're in a cult." <laughs> I said, "I guess it's if the cult of Jesus, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, then I guess it is." But no, it's not a cult. I'm just saying, you know. God has said, that's not for me, 
right? And so I'm not to walk in the deeds of darkness anymore. I'm supposed to walk in the light, right? And so that's, that should be characteristic of our lives as followers of Jesus, right? Now, what is important, right? It's always important to remember that um, you're not saved by your works, right? But, but the works should follow saving faith. That's what James, the book of James, is so focused in on, right? It is the, how, we, um, how, how, we, how we see one another living out our faith. There ought to be deeds there that match up, right? And so, so now, uh, if you look in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, so take a look there with me, Ephesians 5. I'm going to look at verse 8. <clears throat> Okay, so Ephesians 5, 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. He's kind of doing, you know, B.C., what were you like before Jesus, and what are you now after Jesus, right? He said before, he actually says they are darkness. And now he says, uh, he says, you are light in the Lord, because he's talking to believers, right? And then he says, um, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. You want to know what it is to walk in the light of the Lord? Is you got to learn what is pleasing to him. We have to learn what is pleasing to him. And so, in verse 11, and then he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This is radical. This is radical. He's not just saying, you know, pull up out of the world. He's saying, no, by your life, expose that wickedness. Expose that darkness, because as you live out uh, and the light of Christ is in you, right? Your light will shine before men and women, and it will expose darkness, okay? Some people will love that. Others will hate it, very similar to the response to Jesus. In verse 12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed, verse 13, anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And so he's just saying, you know, be careful how you walk as a believer. You're not, you're not a person of the darkness anymore. He's like, don't live like that. You now have the power uh, by the Holy Spirit to live a different way, to live the way that he calls you to live. And as you're living that way, also to expose the deeds of darkness. 
where they mentioned the first John verse. Um, now, the last thing he says there, you know, so he says, follow me, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. On the positive side, it says, but he will have the light of life. On the positive side, that person who follows Jesus will have the light of life. And I think what he's getting at there is just that, you know, you're going to have, you'll be, you'll have spiritual life, right? Because, because you, before you come to Jesus, you're spiritually dead. But when you put your faith in him and believe, you will have the light of life in you. You'll have eternal life. You have spiritual life, right? And so the, the moment someone believes, you know, it's like, you know, they're, they're, it's like the Holy Spirit brings spiritual life into their spiritual lungs, if you will. And so he's saying, you will have the light of life. And without that, you're spiritually dead. So, you know, this is a good time to just ask a question to think about just silently is, um, have you turned from darkness to receive the light of Christ? Have you turned from darkness to receive the light of Christ? Have you, has, has he, you know, and, and for me, this, God works in all kinds of different ways and different people, but the, but the end result is the same. We become convicted is the word that's used. Like we, we sense our need, um, if you will. I, I feel bad about the things I've done in my life and that that has offended God. And... And it's, it's not a worldly sorrow, but it's a godly sorrow that he's working in us and wanting us to, and he uses it to draw us to himself. Rather than run away from the light, we run to him and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need the light of life in me. Would you save me? And, and, and that's, you know, the best Christmas gift anybody could ever get is to get the gift of salvation that Jesus offers, right? And so I just encourage you today, you know, if, if you have not received Christ, if you, um, you recognize that you, you, you just don't have this confidence that you're right with God because you've, not, you've just not been convicted of that sin, you've not sensed that God, you know, the, the truth about what God is saying, right, about your sin, that it is offensive to him. Right? And that your sin actually separates you from him. You may not realize this. Right? That our sin, right, the sin that we're born with we, as we, we enter this world, we're born sinners. And that fact uh, has separates every person born into this world since Adam and Eve. Okay? But, you know, God loves us so much that he's made provision for us that we could have the light of life right, in us by accepting Christ as Savior and putting our faith in Him. So I encourage you to do that today if you have not done so. And also, um, for those of us that are believers, right, you know, just if the Lord's brought something to your mind today where you're dabbling in the darkness, you know, take this as the Holy Spirit, right, bringing this up, saying, deal with that and turn from that and turn to God. Get in his word. I think about Psalm 119, 105, where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Here we're talking about light today. The word of God is light to us. It shows us where to go, how to live, right? 
And so, uh, and so as we learn that in the Scriptures, what God's desire is for us, that we just walk in the light of that truth, right? As He shows you. This is what I always encourage people. As you spend time with God in His Word, whatever He shows you, you know, rightly understood, if you rightly understand the Scripture, whatever He shows you, you need to step out and believe that. It might just be some truth about God, a truth about Jesus or the Holy Spirit. It might be a truth about you, um, and, uh, but, or it could be some command, right? He may, it may be a command. And so you need to see, make sure you're understanding the command, but then if it is for you, for us today, then you need to step out on it, right, and obey. And so if the Lord is showing you something today, I just encourage you, you know, that uh, you act on it, right? And, and just, you know, don't let that go. And uh, that's the Holy Spirit most likely just, I mean, because Satan doesn't want to convict you of sin. I mean, why would he do that? I mean, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit does that, okay? All right, so let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus the light of the world. And thank you that um, because he is God. He could bear the sin of the world. That he was the spotless lamb of God, as it says. We thank you that there's no confusion, that there's not multiple ways to God. There's only one way to have a relationship with God. That's the one and only Savior, Jesus. He is the true light. And Father, we also just pray that uh, you would help us, Lord, as, as uh, you are faithful to shine the light of your word and your Holy Spirit sometimes is convicting us of things that we know that we're participating in or thinking that just aren't right. And so, Lord, um, we just pray that you'd help us to, you know, be honest with you about it. And, and, and to agree with you means to confess, to agree with God. So we want to agree with you about what you say about those things and to then rest on the forgiveness that's in Jesus, uh, assuming we have received him as Savior. We ask it all in Jesus' name.